All right, today's episode of Outdoors Podcast is um, an interview with my friend Jason. Jason is um, kind of recently getting into more activity in the outdoors over the last year or two, has really gotten into endurance racing, triathlons, uh, half marathons, mini runs, things like that. So uh, I'm excited to talk to Jason about kind of his his experience in the outdoors, not only as a kid, uh, but now what he's doing today. So uh, I think this is a great episode. Let's get right in. All right, we are on the air with Jason Gifford. Um, so Jason, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for coming. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, one of the things I just want to kind of start off with is talking a little bit about your more recent endeavors in the outdoor world. I know that you know we're going to get kind of more into what you did in your past and how you got into it and all that kind of stuff. But tell me a little bit more about like the last, say, two years. Yeah, uh, the last two years, man, have been pretty interesting. Um, I started out, you know, I started out when I was pretty young. My dad cycled, you know. Gosh, he was a team rally guy, had the whole bike thing going on when I was growing up. And I wanted to do something, you know, kind of for myself. So I started I started cycling after I started hiking. Hiking was really my first dive into trying to figure out what I was going to do. I was sitting around a lot, not doing anything really other than going to the gym for fitness. Had some friends, one of them in present company, um, you know, go, hey, why don't you try this? Give me a little bit different view. And lo and behold, things that I had done in my childhood that I'd let go of, as a lot of us do as I got older, kind of came back. And I was like, oh, I really do enjoy this. This is really something good for me. It's spiritually good. It's emotionally good. It's disconnected. So you get a chance to get away from all of what we're doing right now and, you know, reconnect. So, you know, started going into, you know, small hikes. Same thing with like mountain biking, riding. I started doing small rides just to reacclimate, like, Hey, how does this feel? How's my physical fitness? So on and so forth. And uh, now it's uh, to a point where uh, in the last couple of years where I've went from do a few miles here, a few miles there, hike a little bit to hopefully this year doing, you know, 150 plus mile ride, doing a bigger mountain biking experience and also doing a much bigger hiking experience. So that's that's what the future looks like. So when you got kind of into the cycling thing, you know, you, you said that your dad had a background in it. What was it that you felt like you needed to do? You know, you said that you had gone to the gym for fitness, things like that. Was it more of a fitness pursuit? Was it more of like, I just got to get outside? Or what was the the drive that made you want to do that more regularly? Yeah, I mean, the 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 drive was really there's only a certain point or a certain amount of things I guess you can do in a gym. I know there's always adaptations, but I'd been doing it for so long. I start. I went to the gym the first time when I was 15 years old. So, and my dad, when I was younger, always had us out like running, you know, there was no like video games and stuff back then. So, you know, it was running, jumping, jungle gym, outdoorsy stuff. Um, and biking was always a thing. My dad would go, I had a bike. I'd ride with him. That was the deal. So, I mean, long story short, I I guess you could say it was it was just a need for a change of pace. You know, going in, you warm up on the treadmill, then you go lift some weights, then you cool down, then you leave. It's the same routine. 
what you do in there is different, but the routine overall is the same. Whereas when you go outside and you cycle, you get a chance to ride a different trail. You get a chance in hiking to see different scenery, different things. And that for me is what made it so much more appealing was that I had that ch- that finally could find something that gave me that change of pace, that change of scenery versus the same people, the same lifts, the same stuff like that. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. We're back. Huh? So, so, um, tell me a little bit about, you know, I think one of the, the, the reasons that I really like the outdoors and I'm such like a weirdo OCD prepared kind of guy. I think that one of the big reasons that I got into the outdoors was I liked the idea of being able to be comfortable when other people weren't because my, because of my preparation, because I had the right clothes, I had the right equipment because I'd thought through it because I'd packed right. I could be comfortable in any situation. I take pride in the fact that I've slept outside in zero degree weather, stuff like that. (laughs) Stupid things. Um, was part of your desire to do the cycling thing to have it be unpredictable. It wasn't the same every day. It was, hey, every day I go outside, the weather's going to be different. It could be raining. It could be snowing. It could be hot. It could be cold. Is that part of it, or am I completely No, that's that? uh, that's definitely part of it. Um, it's a big part of it. You Every day is different for a multitude of reasons. The weather's a huge one, obviously. Um you know, I mean, you go outside in a mountain biking condition and you've mountain biked. I know you have, so you've done it competitively. So, you know, if the conditions are muddy and terrible, it can make for a very interesting afternoon. Uh, on the road bike, same situation. The tires, they're not necessarily built to stick to a wet surface. So if you're out there and you're 20 miles out and it starts raining, you got to adapt. You know, you watch your speed and so on and so forth. You make sure your pedal stroke is fairly even so that you're not, you know, overexerting or under pushing. So there's a ton of things that go into it. I actually last year started watching a little bit more YouTube, finding guys who specialized in like ride physics. A lot of guys who had worked with team USA, um, and some other larger outfits, you know, professional cyclists. And it was amazing. The things they were talking about, I was never much of, I'm kind of a larger guy for the cycling sport. I'm not, you know, I'm a 200 plus pound guy. So some of the principles that they were trying to explain were super odd to me. You know, the angle your back had to be at, how your head should be tilted. I didn't always, I, I did not obey that posture. And I, I did several videos of myself. I actually had my dad do a pace video in the back of the Jeep and watch, you know, me with the camera so that I could see what it looked like. So I would sit there and continuously, you know, take a look at what they'd recommend And then I'd go and adjust that, come back, readjust, and try to get better at my posture. Where by the time, and here's the effects. When I started out, 12 to 13 miles an hour for me was a pretty decent pace. And when I did the 100 last year, on the 40-mile marker, I was doing 18 miles an hour. Gotcha. So So you saw a major increase. So I saw a major improvement from it. Yeah. So when you apply those tactics and take that advice, it works. So when you were training, how much of what you were trying to work on was your stroke and how much of it was just purely putting in miles and hours and work and effort? Miles and hours are are crucial. That's probably the most important thing. Uh, I watched, I think I told you about this because I called, I had, I, I I had called a buddy of mine, or actually not even a buddy, I called a guy who I knew from a ride that I did at Big Shark here locally in St. Louis. 
And the guy owns a shop here called Billy Goat Bicycles. Guy Dirk, he customized my bike for the 100-mile ride. I know Dirk. I worked with him at Maplewood many years ago. Guy is awesome. So, and he My was first job. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, who better? To, I mean, that guy. Yeah, he's great. He's a wizard, right? And he told me, he's like, listen. He goes, and I'm sitting there going, well, I'd like to do this. And I'd like to do that. And he just was like, pause all that, man. He goes, just start riding. He goes, just start riding. He goes, it's all about the time you put on the bike. He goes, some of it will come to you naturally. He goes, but it doesn't, none of it matters unless you're putting in the miles. And last year, I, and I'm going to you know, fudge these numbers a little bit because they're not right in front of me, but they're on my Under Armour app. Uh, I did like 100 and it was, I did 3,155 miles and burned over 106,000 calories. That's a lot. I'll never forget that number because those two kind of stick in my head. 3,000 miles is a long way. 3,000 miles last year. And 106,000 calories. How many miles is it across the United States? I think that's pretty close. I mean, it's... I it's, think it's a little further than that, but I think that's pretty close. I could be close. wrong. It was a long, long... I mean, I feel pretty ignorant for not knowing that. I do, too. Especially being on an outdoors <laughs> podcast. I should probably know how big the United States is. Yeah, I mean, in the end... I mean, the ride across America, which starts, I believe, up in Seattle, uh, it's, it's a little over a 3,000-mile ride. But they do it in a week or something like that. Or no, they do it in a month. It's in a month. So, which I can't imagine doing what I did last year in a month. That's insane. Yeah, that would be a lot uh, to do. 2,680 miles. So you rode more than coast to coast last year. Yeah. Which is pretty wild. Yeah, it was a significant amount of mileage. I remember looking at it and going, I mean, I called my mom last year after I got off a ride. And it was about this time of year. It was January. It was stupid cold outside. And I think I remember calling you because I was like, dude, I got to find something to cover my face. It's starting to hurt to do this. And um, I mean, on that day, I did like 22, 23 miles, you know, out on the uh, out on the uh, Katy Trail. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man. And that was when I looked down and realized, hey, I'm at like 1300 miles. I'm like, this is crazy. Yeah. So, you know, you slowly get there and, you know, hopefully this season will bring bigger things. Obviously, I want to better it, you know every time I get on the bike. Yeah, it's it's funny. So one of my like 2018 goals when I first sat down and started to think about what I wanted to do this year was I saw a guy that I played college football with. His name was Mike Harris. He was a lineman on my team at Truman. He was a big dude, 300 plus pounds. That guy ran a thousand miles last year. Wow. He's lost a ton of weight. He looks great. Family's awesome. He's, he's had a great, great, you know, everything's going well for him. Uh, but he ran a thousand miles and I was sitting there going, you know what? If Mike Harris can run a thousand miles, nothing against Mike, but he's a big dude. If Mike Harris can run a thousand miles, then I'm going to run a thousand miles this year. Cause I was like, you know what? I want to run this year. I'm going to get, get into it. Yeah. Finally. So I was like, I'm going to run a thousand miles. <laughs> and then I started to break it down and I was like, man, that's like basically three miles a day every other day. It's like you really now granted as you get more into running you're going to be running eight miles and 10 miles and you know a lot of his training runs are half marathons so you knock out a lot of those miles but then i realized about a month in after i'd missed a bunch of days like hadn't yeah really you're started, 15 miles behind what it made me realize was to run a thousand miles it's not necessarily about your fitness level or anything but it has to be one of like your biggest things that you're going to do that year like for mike right. if you look at his facebook and his instagram that dude basically works hangs out with his family and he trains for races like that's his thing and that's awesome you know backpacking the outdoors kind of that's my thing 
working on video stuff and podcasts, kind of my other hobby, that dude runs, right? And like to run a thousand miles, I think that has to be your thing or it has to be the only way you go about fitness. Like right. You run to be in shape, period. And that's so. that's definitely like that's that's a hundred percent true. And the I think time- that's yeah, that's what I'm saying is about like your three thousand miles. It's like you can't do that unless riding is like your thing. You gotta really love it. And yeah. you gotta be willing to the other thing is I've realized this. I've taken on a new position and role in life right now, and one of the things I'm realizing is A, this is St. Louis, so I'm somewhat limited by the weather. Like today there's an ice storm. Sure. I cannot go out and ride you know, 25 miles. But I will say this, following a dude like Kevin Galati, right? Like you could be on one of those trainers in your garage or you could be... Absolutely, like a Peloton, a Peloton bike. Or, yeah. the, you know, the, the the roller rails that he puts his bike on is literally three roller rails. Oh, yeah, the trainers. It's yeah. just a straight... And it's not one of the ones that just locks the back wheel up in the in the thing with... A, the whole thing is fluid. Like your bike is not locked into anything. That's kind of cool. And it's purely mechanical. There's no motors, no resistance. It's just purely your wheels on rails, and you're balancing just by purely be by moving. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of that's that's what's limiting. I'll I, pull one up. I think I would have been closer to a. I think I would have been closer to a four or five thousand mile year had I been able to make up for certain days. And part of that is schedule. Part of that is work. Part of that is you know, just plain and simple. The elements will get the better of me eventually if I keep, you know, trying to do it in negative well, twenty degree weather. That part of that part of your life this year, I think you just had a flip flop, right? Like last year you had a career that you were working at and you were enjoying, but ultimately where your passion was was in your hobby. And I think this right. year your career probably has flip flopped where your career is more of your passion now and your right. hobby is more of a hobby. Yeah, um, it's gonna become last more year of a it was hobby. like your focus. Yeah. And then, I mean, that was the big thing was, you know, I remember I called you, I think first I was like, Hey man, I'm going to ride a hundred mile race. It's a lot. And I was like, eh, I mean, everybody was like, eh, okay. You know, we'll see you at the end of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know, that was my goal and it was fun. Oh yeah. These are so these kind are of cool. shifting gears over to more of the backpacking outdoorsy stuff. You've done yeah. some of that stuff with me. Um, what's been your experience as someone that, you know, I don't know, we haven't talked extensively about like how much of that stuff you did as a kid or, you know, with your dad or anything like that. Um, you know, what's your background in more of traditional camping, backpacking stuff, and then kind of what's been your experience lately? Yeah, my dad, so my dad, um, and my grandfather were both army guys. So, you know, we, we did some backpacking when I was a kid, but it was all Missouri, you know, uh, Ozark trail. Um, some of it was Boy Scouts based. My dad was my Boy Scout leader. So we'd go out and do the whole, uh, weekend and I'm trying to remember, I'm going to forget terribly. Um, can't remember what it is. There's a, there's a park basically where they take everybody and you can basically backpack and hike as much as you want, swim in the lake, so on and so forth. Always doing that kind of stuff. Time came where, you know, my dad got a little bit sick, couldn't do it. My grandfather passed away. So I just kind of wrote that off. You know, like, hey, I'm not going to backpack by myself. Nobody else wanted to do that. And then you were like, hey, let's try this. We got out there. We did it. It was a great time. It reintroduced me to the enjoyment of it. You know, it really is a chance to put everything away. That was the part I really enjoyed about it was like, okay, 
we're out here, you know, boys being boys. There's no cell phones. There's no cell phone reception. There's nobody around. <laughs> we can do whatever the hell we want. We're going to have a good time. So that was really what I took away from it. And what I mostly enjoyed out of it was that was the disconnection. Yeah. You know, and the chance to do things that you just, you know, I mean, you don't get to see stuff like that every day. You're not buried in the woods. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that I've recognized more and more often, you know, as the weekends go on with Sarah and I, for example, is it's not so much about going out as it is about doing something different when it comes to recharging the batteries for the week, right? So Absolutely. it's not necessarily about like, hey, we got to go out to dinner and we got to have drinks and we got to be out till two in the morning. It's more about like what if if we did something this Saturday night like that we didn't do last weekend, it would feel more like a weekend because it would break up the monotony of the repetitive, you know, kind of stuff that we do all the time. And yeah. so like we went to the boat show last night and it was kind of dumb. Uh, <laughs> like, well, you know, like we're not <laughs> buying a boat, you know, and we're walking around on half million dollar, million dollar yachts and looking at stuff and. You know, there was there was enough like other outdoorsy stuff, can-ams and other kind of fun things to ride and sit on jet skis and canoes and kayaks. Kind of, you're boaty though. I mean, you you get the language. Yeah, yeah, kind of. But like, keep in mind, it's all it's 100%. That is a powerboat show, and so it's all kind of stuff that I'm semi unfamiliar with, right? right? And I don't even claim to know anything about sailing. My parents have lived aboard a sailboat for six years. I've been on it like three times in six <laughs> years. I've been sailing less than a hand, you know, two handfuls of times. Um, so it, it's, you know, I don't claim to be a boat guy in any meaning of the word. My right. parents are 100% clear, legitimate, as good as it gets, boat people. I <laughs> am not, I'm a Midwest land-based man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as of right now, this part of my life. Uh, but there was enough other like outdoorsy stuff. But for me, it was just like, hey, let's just break up. Let's not have this be another weekend where we sit inside. And there's nothing wrong with a Netflix weekend every now and then. But like, just get up and go do something. Doesn't have to be drinks, doesn't have to be partying to just make it feel like a weekend. To me, that's what camping did. Yeah. Is it broke up the monotony. And it was like, oh, I can do the same thing kind of repetitively, but go to different parks, different places, do the same thing, hike in, camp, hike out. But it'll break up that monotony and give me a whole group of weekends for the year that I can go, I remember what I did that weekend. That was the nice part about um, what we did last year. The, the stuff we did last year I thought was really enjoyable, especially stuff we did over this last summer was, you know, I didn't do much floating. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd go out and practice kayaking just to really kind of get a feel. And I did a hell of a lot of kayaking, you know, with you on my own. Uh, my buddy Walter and I did some kayaking down at Black River in Farmington. But we didn't really, you know, really get on a river and go until that first time me and you went canoeing, which was a complete, you know, it was a good time. <laughs> some things fell over. Some things went flying everywhere. We hit some logs. It was a good time. Yeah. Um you know, and, and jumping in little experiences. I, I meant to do this on new year's and I'm really kind of pissed at myself that I didn't, you know, I, uh, I wanted to write this kind of montage cause last year for me, it had some downs career wise. I would say last year career wise was not my best year, but personal growth wise, it was by far my best year. 
You know, I started 2017 on day one, January one, I ran five miles, you know, for the commitment day, 5k or three miles actually. And then from there it was, you know, triathlon. Then we went on our floats. Then it was the hundred mile ride, so on and so forth. So all these things that I've been wanting to do years prior, didn't do any of them, but I was thinking about breaking those down. Like what during those particular trips and events happened to me. And the one that stuck out the most to me was the jumping in that giant hole that we <laughs> jumped in when we went, uh, when we went uh, kayaking, man. That was a crazy, crazy experience. And we had a chance to, that, that's something that not many people would do or would say they would do. Ooh, you're fixing me. Pause for one moment for a fix. There we go. Oh, I do sound a little bit better this way. So it was one of those things where I literally had a chance to dive into the darkest, coldest, blackest water you could ever imagine in the middle of a cave. I wouldn't say it's black. I mean, it's That's the black. water's actually really clear. No, it's, it's clear. Just, it's deep. But we're in a cave. <laughs> we're it's in a cave, so you just can't tell what you're jumping into. And the other thing is, I watched this clip, um, this Will Smith clip that was kind of crazy, where he was like, everything you ever want to do is you know, right on the other side of being a little bit scared. So, and I'll be honest, when you were like, dude, this is a sinkhole. There's nothing at the bottom. Well, it's not a sinkhole. It's a cave. Or, it's just a it, hole. It's like, it's just deep. It's like, and you know, I'm like, geez, this is a black hole. We're in the middle of a cave by ourselves. Yeah. I was like, what the hell? So we jump in. I'm like, whoo, get hit with that water. The water's negative temperatures. It feels like when you jump into it, and you got out and you're like, wow, that was the most refreshing 10 minutes of my life. Fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Um, you know, so, you know, I wanted to write down all these things, like, you know, how I felt at 75 miles on the hundred. I never felt that exhausted all my life. I wanted to quit. It was 89 degrees. It's hot. You've already went 75 freaking miles. So you're just like, I'm dying. And you literally, your mind tells your legs cause they want to quit. Just like, eh, just keep pedaling. You only got 25 miles left. It's almost over. You went this far, you know, little things like that. So those moments were the biggest personal growth I've had in my life so far last year. And that's kind of what propels me. I hope into this year, it makes me go, okay, now what, you know, you've done this, you got to do the next thing now. Yeah. You know? It's, it's really interesting. So I heard Courtney Dowalter, the one woman who won the Moab 240, um, yeah. won the whole thing. Right. And she's a beast. And you heard that, that episode where she was talking to Joe Rogan and she, she yeah. flat out admitted that she's not any more physically gifted. She's not any more well-prepared. She's not any better, you know, filled with she nutrients. Work. And, well, it's not even doing the work. She does less work than a lot of people. So like Cam Haynes was running 18 to 20 miles a day Ooh. leading up to that race. She was running 10. God, he's an animal. <laughs> but she was running 10. And so what wow. it goes to show is that it's not necessarily just who puts in the most miles, Right. And what she said was the reason she was able to win it is she believes that she's just able to turn her brain off better than other people are. Yeah. And so she is able to basically what she said was I can tell myself when it gets really painful, I can tell myself that. Well, it's only going to be painful for like another 20 or 30 minutes <laughs> and then it'll be fine again for like five or six hours and I'll settle back in. So just deal with it for the next 
20 or 30 minutes and then it'll be fine again. That's exactly what it is. And, and so 100%. one of those things is like, so Sarah and I went to the Rocky Mountain National Park. We've talked about this trip a hundred times offline, but right. one of the things that was so good for me about that trip, A, you know me, I just said I like to be prepared. I had no idea. That's one thing that I, I have such a huge gripe with the Parks Department. There's so little information out there about each park and how to, where can you camp, What? how do you get a permit, how do you get into the park, how do you get out, like, the information is terrible. And I understand that the Parks Department is strapped for cash and that they don't have the right people to do that. Their their job is to make the parks really nice. I get it. Not Not blaming them. Right. But it's ridiculous trying to figure it all out. The fact that we went through it, I felt great. And I'm so happy that it rained on us the whole time. <laughs> I, I wish it didn't because we would have had a better, more fun trip. But the fact that it did, this little camping dude from Missouri who's done some like, oh, I've done some little overnights to Bell Mountain. I've done a four-day, three-night trip in the Rocky Mountain National Park where it rained and sleeted and snowed the whole time. Right. I'm not saying I'm some Appalachian Trail pro. I'm not some PCT dude, but... I feel confident that we can deal with most things because we went through that crap, because we went through the shit. Absolutely. So, like, sometimes having that adversity is really, really good. Sometimes you need that. And quite frankly, it makes a more, like, memorable trip. It's that Tyson mentality, man. Everybody has a plan until you get hit. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? You get hit, yeah. and you're like, oh, my gosh. So, And that's that translates. I think that translates in sports all the way across. It doesn't matter if it's hiking, backpacking, cycling, football. Whatever it is, it's not about how it works out when everything's perfect and you're in no pain and there's nothing there. It's what happens when it really turns kind of adverse, how you react. That's, you know, hiking, I don't take that as much yet because I haven't had the man trip yet, which we're going to hit here soon. And I'm excited about that. But in the cycling side, I've had that happen and... My personal feeling is like, okay, I want to do it one more time or I want to do it a couple more times for those long distances and just see, you know, it's always interesting to find out everybody has a point where they're like, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop pedaling. You know, it's interesting when you do one, same way you do with this trip, it's like, what's the next thing that's going to be like, okay, this one almost got me. Could you, you, could you just get like a group of people together without having to wait for somebody else to put a, a thing together? To just be like, hey, let's figure out 150 or 200 miles that we want to ride. Oh, we're going to ride from here to wherever, Indianapolis, Kansas City, whatever, you and could. just go do it? You could do it. It's, uh, it's, a timely, it's a timely ordeal to put together a ride. Um, actually, I think me and you talked over the summer, and I was like, you know what I'd like to do? Put together a couple rides. And well, then and I, I don't mean a ride like an official ride. I mean, like, could you just say, hey, if I want to do, I want to do my next challenge and I want some people to hold me accountable and some people to do it with, could you just find, like, six or eight people that wanted to ride 200 miles on a Saturday? You could. You could. You could find, well, you got to look at what you'd have to do distance-wise to, to make that happen. I think you'd have to have, you know, like you said, you'd have to have a handful of people at least um, and you'd have to have somebody who could handle like supplying you as you go. Mm-hmm. The hundred mile, what was nice was we just rode in a huge square and my dad was in my Jeep with a bunch of goo and water and you know, he'd pace me and throw waters at me and throw good. Cause I could, I didn't have enough pockets to fit all the stuff I needed. So for a 200, 
you know, I mean, that took me six hours, so it'd be a 12-hour ride or more if I got tired, which I would. So it'd be 12 hours or 15 hours on the oh, bike. Oh, you're talking a full day of riding. It's a day plus sure. of riding. Yeah, you're, you're signing up for like an 18-hour endeavor, I think. And then, a, and then a nice, good, strong, well-equipped crew that are willing to sit out there for 18 hours and make sure you make it from in. Or do you just need a van? Do you need one? You, you need, need a like couple a guys in a van, team really. in a van. Yeah, you really need two guys in a van. Which wouldn't be that hard to put together. No, no, it'd be easy to do. It's just, uh, you know, it, it's it's definitely, in 2018, it will definitely be an endeavor for me. I will try to do between 150 and 200 on the bike and knock that out. Cool. And then from there, wait about two years and do the month off so i can do the cross-country ride <laughs> that's it so what we've talked about doing the maroon bells we've talked about doing the continental divide trail yeah lots of different options um what what about those types of trips attracts you the most because you you know i'd done some colorado backpacking when i was like in seventh and eighth grade so i kind of knew what was coming yeah what kind of attracts you to that kind of stuff because it's i'm anxious for the altitude man i've never felt that so I don't know what it feels like to be at 11,000 feet, you know, That's how, fair. Will, how will my body react? How will I feel? You know, we watched a video of the guys doing the Maroon Bells. We watched, uh, Syntax 77, Syntax 77, you know, and talking a little bit about, you know, how he, uh, you know, how the conditioning was, those guys do it pretty often and they're not in bad shape. Those guys like- hike in some really, I mean, up there in the Northeast, uh, that's, that's some pretty gnarly hiking. Uh, just the sheer, just the, the, um, you know, that was one of the things that, that I found about the Rockies or at least the, the calm trails that Sarah and I did, although we did do some elevation, there was never anything that was just like scary steep. Uh, now some of the 14ers that I've done were, you know, granted I was 12 or 13 years old at the time or something like that. So it was kind of a different mentality You're not, yeah, today. You're just enjoying it. Yeah. Well, no, but I mean like back then I was more afraid of heights than I am today. Oh, like yeah, I, yeah. I have a deeper knowledge today of like, Oh, I could die. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm more connected to my mortality, but at the same time, like I'm also a little bit more logical about it. When I was 13, I was just purely emotional. I would just be like, oh my God, I'm up high. I'm going to die. <laughs> now I'm, you know, more like, all right, just don't be an idiot and you won't die. Like, you know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, it's, it's 14, like there's a couple of different ways we could do Colorado, uh, right. quite frankly. Right. So there's, you can fly in, you can do the maroon bells and you can fly out or you could fly in, you could do uh, four 14ers in one day. Oof. Um, but what you do is you walk up the side of one, and then you ridgeline walk from peak to peak. So rather than, you don't go like up one, down, up one, no, down. You it's up summit one, the do, summit, do, 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 yeah. and then down on the other side. Um, so that's another option, you know what I mean? Or you can just go to Rocky Mountain National Park. You're not going to do any 14ers there, I don't think. Um but there's a bunch of good options for trails. See, to me, I never, I definitely want to one time in my life, and I want to do it here fairly soon, which I need to get on the ball with this, is I want to go to Colorado. I want to do a couple 14ers, which I think me and you have discussed we're going to do something. So the Maroon Bells don't do that. None of the Maroon Bells are 14ers. I know. They're smaller, right? Well, no. So the Maroon Bells themselves are 14ers, 
but the Maroon Bells Trail doesn't summit any 14ers. You go through passes between the mountains. Because the sand they were talking about, right? It's such their The terrain. summits are gnarly. Yeah, I mean, people died like, trying to get up them. Yeah, I, I mean, they, yeah. they called them the deadly bells, but that was like back in the 60s, I think, that a bunch of people passed away. But it's just like, I think it's more technical. There's some 14ers that you can walk to the top, and there's some 14ers that are technical you climbs. You have to climb, yeah. I, I am speaking completely out of my ass here, but... I think the maroon bells are more technical climbs, or at least certainly for people well beyond the skill set of you and I. Right, uh, right. Because, you know, we're not going to walk up there with ropes and <laughs> pitons. Oh, and That's man, yeah. I'm not, well, I'm just not prepared. Like, I don't know. Nowhere near set. the skill set to do yeah, that. Yeah, the skill set wouldn't be there. What I'd love to do is, you know, as far as hiking and mountaineering is concerned, I want to keep hiking as much as I can and hit as many trails as I can until I can't do it anymore. In the mountaineering side, I would love at some point in time in my life to go up Rainier. I think that would be that would be probably the pinnacle I would go. I mean, I have, of course, you know, you get more into this stuff and you always say like, oh, all I'd want to do is get to Rainier and then all of a sudden you have a great time or it's a great, great experience and you're like, well, what's next? You know, I hope I, not to have to do anything beyond that. I, I would imagine that there's so much between now and Mount Rainier uh that, that it's unbelievable yeah yeah i mean it's just like man you could you'd have to live there i feel like you could spend years exploring colorado not only there utah idaho oregon washington like there's so much so much land right to be explored zion the southwest I mean, grand I mean, canyon yeah. the whole pct the whole freaking Appalachian Trail, yeah. right? I mean, like John Muir Trail. I mean, I was talking to uh, to the other AJ the other day, and uh, not myself. The for other all AJ of you out there that, <laughs> that may listen to this, um, but my my other really good friend's name is AJ. It'll be really confusing when I tell stories, but I'm just sorry in advance. Um, I was asking him if he wanted to do the Continental Divide Trail. Uh, which is probably like a five or six day trip for people of our skill level, right? Like not super experienced hikers, but like guys that know what they're doing and are athletic, whatever. Uh, but then I was sitting there thinking, I want to do that potentially in the fall. And it was either like that or the Maroon Bells or something like that, right? And, you know, kind of incorporate that into our trip or, or you know, yeah, one or the other. that'd be great. And, you know, or do both. Who knows? Of all time, we'll see. <laughs> Um, We're going to be gone for three weeks. <laughs> well, I mean, the nice thing is, is with the amount of traveling that I do for work, I will develop some points and things like that to be able to use for flights and stuff. And quite frankly, I don't want to be out of town the whole year, but I also want to maximize the amount of experiences that I can have if they're inexpensive, right? If I can get some really budget trips together, like what we talked about yeah yeah there's some um, good ones out there for the price yeah you know sarah found a deal the other day that was like we're getting a rental car for the whole week for like 200 and something bucks <laughs> you know what i mean and we're staying in like two hotels uh, or three hotels and they're all like 100 bucks so i think we figured out the entire yosemite trip without any like expensive food will probably be somewhere in the range of a thousand dollars between the two of us flights hotels the whole nine. The whole nine. Now, wow. we both have flights booked with points. So one of the things that really kind of differs between you and I, which is interesting, and I, I mean, I think there's there's a difference in kind of two different types of people. There's gear freaks and there's non-gear freaks. You traditionally are not a gear freak. Like, you just say, give me 
whatever thing will help me do it and I'll go out and you're more of like the activity dude than the stuff guy, right? Like yeah, you don't that's true. you're not a, a sure. tech weirdo that goes out and buys like the latest greatest tech gadgets. That's not your thing, right? Yeah, exactly. 100%, right? <laughs> totally totally get it. Um I, and I admire that, quite frankly. Uh because it's a it's a pure pursuit of the actual activity versus the stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, it's that, but I mean, it's also, well, here's the thing, man. There's been plenty of times, and you can attest to this, where we've been out and I haven't had the stuff, and it would have been my ass had you not shown up and been like, <laughs> hey, guess what we've got? I mean, the first time we went out, I don't remember what it was, but I grabbed like a sleeping bag or something for us to go out, and it ended up being 21 and snowing when we went on that Haunt State Park trip. Yeah. And I was like, hey. I'm going to use this bag. You're like, no, you're not. And yeah. I was like, why? You're like, because you'll die. Because we're going to be freezing to death if you take that bag. I was like, okay. So there's well, benefits to having friends or people when you do stuff like this who can at least point you in the right direction because that could literally have ruined an entire trip. Well, yeah, but so you know? kind of my point being is like, how many miles do you think you rode on your oh, mountain bike? I know where you're going with this. Yes. Right? I did, man. I'll tell you what. And that was a year and a half, almost two years ago when I first picked up, you know, like I'm going to start cycling just to see if I can even stand cycling. And yeah, I had a, I had a $200 Schwinn mountain bike yeah. that I bought at Target. Yeah. And I was like, okay, my philosophy is I'm not terribly frugal. And I mean, my, my bank account can prove that, <laughs> <laughs> but but having said that, when it comes to making big purchases, I'm more apt to hold off and try something and then, you know, make a purchase, you know? So especially when you're talking something like the bike I have now or the bike I had before this, like, you know, that's $2,200 in bikes. So I was like, I'm not buying, you know, the holy cow bike until I ride this one for six months. Well, here we go. You know, I rode it for... It had to be a year, almost a solid year on that bike, on different trails. And then I finally was like, then it got to the point where it was like, okay, I enjoy this enough. I'm ready to make a purchase. Well, I think it kind of got to the point where you were actually ready to like enter a real event. A race, yeah. I and it was race. like, well, I can't show up for a 50-mile ride on a Schwinn Mountain. But th my point being is that, I've been guilty of it in photography stuff. I've been guilty of it in podcasting stuff. I've been guilty of it in backpacking stuff. I've always been like, oh, well, I'll go on that trip after I get that one more. Th like, oh, well, you know, until I get that thing, then I probably shouldn't go out. Like, I should probably yeah. wait. Like, I'll get that one better thing. You don't. You're just like, nah, I'm going to. You're more into the thing itself, which is admirable. I think that's great. Yeah, the activity, I mean, the activity is the fun part for me. The thing right. we're going to do is far more propelling to me than like, like if you called me tomorrow and were like, hey, Jay, we're headed out. We're going to go do part of the PCT. <laughs> but the odds are I would grab my boots and my bag and meet you somewhere and we'd figure out the rest when we get there. Right. I'm far less to show. Whereas... You'll have all that stuff and then have the other stuff that we actually need to complete I, I'd that I'd have a trip. spreadsheet <laughs> waiting like Sarah and I are months away from a trip to Yosemite and I'm already like, 
well, we're going to need this and we're going to need that and we're going to need that. And not stuff that we need to acquire. I think we have everything that we would need, which is great. Um, but, you know, and again, they just make it so difficult. It's unbelievable. If you have that prepared, um, like you have a very prepared mindset and you try mm-hmm. to, I think, role play. What are the scenarios where like that's something that I don't do as much? I which don't role is, play the scenarios, which is quite frankly something that keeps my backpack heavier than it needs to be. Um, right. When I went backpacking with Joe and Gus, gosh, it's coming up on probably close to two years ago now. Uh, it was definitely at least a year ago. Um, one of the things that Joe was like, yeah, my backpack's like 12 pounds. And I was like, what? And we were going <laughs> on like a fairly cold weather trip. What? And he was like, and I got all kinds of room in there. And I was like, what? And my backpack was full of stuff. And it was like 25 <laughs> pounds. And I was like, and I've been working really hard at making my backpack lighter. And it was because Joe showed up in like a pair of khakis, a good pair of hiking boots, a long sleeve t-shirt, and was like, all right, we're going backpacking. And I was like, dude, you don't have a coat? And he's like, yeah, it's 60 degrees. I was like, but it's going to be 40. And he goes, yeah, that'll be fine. But like... (laughs) He would would have made it through the night. He may not have been as comfortable as me, but like it was so much easier for him to get to the trip where he probably like threw some stuff in a bag that day and showed up and had no stress about it. It was just like, yeah, cool. Yeah. And I was like, I've got, I've been worried about the weight of the trowel that I use to dig a hole in the woods (laughs) to take a poop (laughs) in. Like, <laughs> that stuff goes through my mind, and he's like, I'll find a stick somewhere. Well, and the other thing is, man, that I don't do, I don't do enough research on the stuff that is actually material. Like, here's a funny one. We went out that fu- the first time or second time we hung out. Uh, I don't remember which trail we were on, but remember that saw I pulled out? I had that black long blade saw. It's a, I- it's a knockoff of a Baco Laplander saw. So I, like... I sling this thing out, and I'm like, I am a badass. We are going to cut all the wood we need with this. And I put that damn thing into the wood, and it looked like it was going to snap in half. And you're over there, like, with a machine gun, just pull out this gigantic. This fen saw. This, yeah. 15-incher. Badass saw. It's rock solid. Which I don't It's tearing anymore. through wood. And I'm like, man. I'm like, why didn't I get that saw? So, I don't know, man. I think there's pluses. Being the activity guy is fun because... All you're thinking about is the the excitement of doing the thing. It's that it's kind of that mentality you were talking about when you were younger and you climbed in Colorado. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of fear, maybe, or a little bit of excitement, but you're just really excited to do the thing. You're like a little kid in the candy shop, just ah, you're ready. But you're not playing out the scenario like, do I have the right things in my backpack? You know, stuff like that. So one of the things that I've realized about myself is it's not even so much the gear acquisition for me, which there's a thing in photography and in backpacking in every industry that some people have what they call gas, right? It's gear acquisition syndrome. And I personally, on top of getting the stuff, I like building kits, right? I like having all of it fit in one bag and have it be like modular where like, Oh, my podcasting stuff fits in that black bag. And then my, well, my videography stuff and work stuff fits in this bag. And I have like, if I just grabbed these three bags, then I could go out of town and do this. Like I've always enjoyed putting together the set that works really well and creates the total package. Right. 
I should literally be a procurement guy for like a technology company that oh, puts yeah, together they'd love kits, you. They'd that be like, puts yes. together kits for Amazon to like maximize value but keep margins good. Um, I'm really good at building stuff like that and then having it all fit in one bag and have it all be like, hey, if you're going to produce videos, here's the kit that is really the kit. Like yeah. this is the good stuff. If you do this, and that's why I want to do the thing with companies. But point being is that like with the backpacking stuff is like I'm as into the building of the kit and organizing said kit before I go as I am about the trip itself. Yeah, well, and that's, like I said, I mean, when we went to Bell, that was a good thing you were because literally, you know, I'm hungry. Here's the kit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Where's my so, cook set? Here so it the, is. So the interesting thing is... Makes things easy. Yeah, and so the interesting thing is is that you very rarely... Like, you will find the first solution that fits your need, and as long as it's within the budget, like, that's what you go with. Yeah. Versus, like, I'm going to find, of all of the solutions that are available to me in the world, I'm going to spend two weeks to figure out which one is the absolute best. Like the lid. Yeah, exactly. Like... You know, I would probably just go find some kind of sealed lid somewhere and be like, okay, yeah. guaranteed the work. Cool. First one, buy it. Yeah. You know, or you'd I be did, like, I'll deal with this cup. It's fine. Yeah, I'll tape this cup together. It's a good cup. <laughs> it's a good cup. It keeps my coffee warm. I'm going to deal with it. We're going to use sticks and metal to make cups. <laughs> exactly, right? Like, that's kind of more of your mentality. Um, which, quite frankly, like, that's one of the things that I have to focus on when I get outside when I'm in the woods is... Am I spending more time playing with my gear or am I actually just enjoying being outside? Yeah, enjoy being outside. Because I like to organize and put things places and like, all right, I got this little set over here and I got this organized. Well, this is hung. It's nice though, man, because that's one of those things. It's really great to have. It's, it's a good dynamic when we do that type of stuff because I am not the least prepared, but I am definitely not the guy who's doing all of that extra preparation that can save you from a you know a bad experience i'm also not ever going to be the guy who's doing like bushwhacking where literally i leave the house with a backpack and a hatchet and a knife and like we're going to make it through three days this is not going to be easy or fun I, I i don't even have at 33 years old i have almost no desire to do that that sounds terrible to me. I think it me. would be fun to do it for like a weekend or for a week. Like go take a seminar, learn some skills. Learn it. I think that'd be cool. And I 100% appreciate the dudes that do it. And I believe that it is a acquired and diminishing skill. In other words, you could right. go to one of those classes, learn it all, get good at it. And then a week later, you'd probably suck if you didn't keep doing it. But at least having the knowledge of like how to structurally make some things if something really went bad, I just can't imagine a scenario. I guess if you were in a plane crash in like Utah, but my feeling is that's the technology is going to tell us where the plane is. Maybe I'm wrong. There's, there's reasons you would, I mean, there's reasons you would bushcraft, I guess if you really needed to. And there's, there's survival seminars all over the country. It doesn't hurt. But nowadays, I mean, well, to each their own, right? Yeah. Everybody, everybody know it, can do what they want. Know it if you want to know it. Great. Good for you if you do. Uh, I personally wouldn't mind learning some of it myself or getting more into it. 
But when I go out and I'm like, hey, man, we're going to do seven days or three days or five days on a trail, my feeling is I want to have a, a, a good time and use the stuff that is available to me versus just saying like the part the part about that style that isn't fun for me is that hiking and backpacking has become a thing I enjoy as a hobby. So it's something I enjoy doing. I don't see the enjoyment side of going out with no gear and trying to make it through a weekend. That is a survivalist mentality. Sure. Which is cool. And I love the survivalist mentality, but it's just not the way I want to hike at this age, you know, or right now. Yeah. So yeah, to each their own. I mean, my gosh, I've seen some guys, you've shown me some videos on YouTube where it's like, damn, that's pretty crafty. I would never think that way. Yeah. So those guys are pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I saw a guy, I saw like a, a sped up, I think it took him one month and he built a whole log cabin with like a saw and a hammer. And it was, I mean, it was crazy how nice it was, um, you know, framed up and all the different, you know, logs fit together and the notches he cut out and the, you know, roofing and all that kind of stuff, the trees that he milled and all that kind of stuff. It was crazy. Um, Those guys are talented. I mean, oh, they yeah. do that. It's, it's insane talent. Yeah. And I think part of it too is where you grow up. Some guys, I mean, if you grew up in the mountains of West Virginia, you probably know how to do that <laughs> would you ever want to do like a uh, an extended tr- like i i really don't think that i would want to do the at or the pct i mean i really appreciate what they're all about um the at no i can answer this from marginal experience but the at from what i've seen not at all how come uh just I mean, I know there's some scenery there to be to be to be had. Oh, it's m- way more pretty than you think. But and I've yeah, I've seen some of the photos that guys have taken online, and and I have a couple of friends who have actually visited. So you know, and I've heard crazy things about how awesome it is. PCT definitely, and for the opposite reason, because I, I think there's the Pacific Northwest to me is kind of. I mean, if I could live anywhere, I'd probably live there. Well, so, so the question becomes is, and this is what I've keep asking myself is like. Everybody has their different bucket list trips and the different places they want to go. Right. I think I'm personally more the kind of person that would want to string a bunch of really awesome trips together and still have that kind of normal, semi-connected-to-the-world life versus, you know, like, do the John Muir Trail. Do a week at a time or two weeks at a time of other significant trails. Do the, um, you know, Sioux Hustler Trail up in Minnesota do some stuff in Arizona, do some stuff like all over the place versus dedicate like six to eight months of your entire life. I mean, kudos to the people that do it. Um, if you take I a just year don't off, know that I have the desire to go like walk for a year. No, man, I wouldn't want to do, you know, there was a point in time where I was looking at that as like a, like a thing, you know, I was mm-hmm. reading about, I mean, I told you this, I was going to go take the Jeep. I was going to strip it down and, or buy something else. And I literally last year, I got a really shitty paycheck from the company I was with. Wasn't a good month. Wasn't happy. And it was a time where the cycling stuff and all the fitness stuff was just banging in my head. And I was on a high. And I literally was like, you know what? And I called you. I called five mm-hmm. people that day. I was like, I'm quitting everything. I'm taking my next paycheck. I'm cashing out everything I can get my hands on. I'm going on some kind of crazy adventure a for journey. a year. You're not going to see me. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm online researching, like, how do you strip down a Cherokee to the point you can live out of it comfortably? And 
And then I came back to rationale about 48 hours later. I was like, okay, come on, dude. Really? And I you think know? you can do that. You can do it's it. Just, it takes more planning totally than like it. a week. Yeah, you need a lot of time in, to plan. In my it. opinion. But that's but that's how I feel about the Appalachian or the or or the John or uh, or the PCT. Like, if I'm gonna do that, oh yeah, I feel like what I'd have to do is is be at a point in my life where either I had a mobile job, which I don't right now. Well, first of all, you can't have a mobile job and do the AT. You're not. You're never connected to long anything. enough to you, like that. Is a year long take off not work and that's what i was thinking i'm like but i think if you, you did also it, spend very little money true i think if you did it, it's like this you you work let's say i mean we're about the same age let's say you worked for another five years and you got a little nest egg i think that's one of those trips where you literally like i'm taking a one-year sabbatical and you literally just take a year off that's it i think you have to be at a transition in your life to do it l- later on i think it's not one of those things like in your career you're not just going to take a year off and come back like nothing happened. Now, I'm not saying you can't do it, but I would think that that's more of like a, I've been a banker for 25 years and I'm not going to be a banker anymore. I'm going to go do something else. And in the middle of it, before I commit to whatever it is that I'm going to do, I'm going to go do the PCT. I'm going to go hike somewhere. You know, I'm going to go open my mind up. I'm going to experience something. I'm going to see something beautiful. And I'm going to see what I'm all about, right? Now. I could see that right. or doing it younger, right? Like you don't have as many commitments. You, you get out have... of college, you're taking oh, a yeah, year yeah. off. I, I, If there's one thing that I could do if I have children, if Sarah and I have a kid or, you know, if I'm, if I ever end up with a kid, uh, <laughs> broad stroke, I, I can't imagine why it wouldn't be with Sarah, but. <laughs> Uh, if I ever end up with a kid, Sarah, if you're listening to this, sorry about that. That was awesome. Uh, I, there would never be any reason that we wouldn't be with Sarah. But anyway, um, if I had a kid, I think the biggest thing I would do if high school still exists by that time, right? the way that we know it is I would say screw college for a year, here's some money, like $10,000 in today's money and be like, go travel the world cheaply like get a backpack go somewhere else and if you end up in a couple of different places throughout the year fine if you end up in 30 even better but my point is is that i think america especially is this very insulated place right and that's one of the things that i really appreciate about going outdoors is it teaches you that you're not nearly as insulated as you think you are right in that one of the things that I've been, I've been on a solo backpacking trip where I'm seven miles out in the woods, not that far away, right? You could run it if you had to. But it makes you realize like, oh, I'm all by myself. If a yeah. bobcat or a mountain lion or a bear or a person comes along, I'm all that I got. That's right. And so it makes you realize like, oh, I am mortal. It is easy to disappear off the face of the earth. I'm not everything that exists, right? Like, especially in a city like St. Louis, you can get an ego pretty quickly. Like, a couple of good meetings, a couple of people telling you you're awesome. You can come out of that day being like, I'm hot shit. Yeah. I'm a big deal. People need to listen to me. (laughs) And one of the things that the woods will teach you is like, you don't make a shit bit of difference <laughs> unless you really make an impact, right? right? So like 
it, it, for me, it says to me like on a daily basis, hey man, like realize you're pretty small. Appreciate that and go out and do what you can. So I think it, it was one of those things where like the woods really taught me a lot about that and kind of insulates you from feeling like you're too big. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that in a nutshell would be, I, I think one of the reasons or one of the things spiritually you get out of the trips. Yeah. The spiritual end of it is like, you get a chance to feel, you know, we watched, I think me and you did before we went on that trip a year ago, we watched The Revenant and I'm like, dude, <laughs> this is exactly how it happened. They were here sleeping on the ground with a little piece of fur over the top of them. Yeah. That's it. That was how they- Some wool. Some wool over the top and that's how they're they're doing it. And at a moment's notice, you could be under fire or an attack from an Indian tribe or from anybody who wants the stuff we got. Like, gives you that realization, it takes a moment- Shows you what nature's all about. Also shows you where you came from. Yeah, right. You know, and it's those those bigger trips that you realize the size and the scale, and then it also gives you an appreciation for the fact that we have these public places that you can go and you can celebrate what is so epically beautiful about the United States. But kind of back to the travel component, being so insulated, right? I would want my kids to look at the world as more of a that more of the world is available to them for their life yeah than just the united states right like you don't have to be an accountant in st louis and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with being an accountant in st louis that's a great job it's a great city but you could also be a ski instructor in switzerland or you could also be a fly fisherman in colorado or you could also be yeah. a dance club DJ in Australia. Like <laughs> That'd be go a cool explore job. well, go explore the world and figure out what it is that you want to do. You could be a sheep herder in Ireland, right? Like go explore the world, meet other people, see different things than what we're used to every day. You might want to work in a textiles market in Monaco where it's just like crazy wheeling and dealing all day. Like that might be your thing, but you're never going to know that that's your thing until you go out and see it. And I'll tell you what, man, I met a girl um, at a coffee shop about a year ago, just sitting there having my morning cup of coffee and, you know, BS before I went to work. And she had just come back from a trip to, uh, or from, uh, from Spain, I want to say, or somewhere like that. She was in Europe and she had a decent little line of clothes. It went really well for her, whatever it may be. And she was like, I want to do something different. So she starts looking at other, you know, ideas and stuff. And she basically came to the conclusion that like, yeah, you can find everything on the internet, but nothing really is as good as experience of going out and just finding something. So she went to Europe in search of something that wasn't in the U.S. market that she'd get her hands on. Hats, jackets, whatever. Ran across this, this mid-sized company in like northern Spain. And they made these really cool hats, men's and women's, handcrafted, burned, like really, really cool stuff, like amazing stuff. And she worked out a deal and did some financing and got his product over here. Now she now carries his only line in Los Angeles and she's out of, she's out of St. Louis, but that's where the shop is. She relocated out there and that's her thing. So to your point, man, I think. She basically, she, she did it a little later in life, but she basically found out, she's like, this is what I love, but I don't necessarily love what I see here in the U.S., 
So I'm going to go find it. And well, she strapped on a backpack, bought a plane ticket, went and found what she was looking for. Yeah, so like I have a friend whose name is, is Corey, right? And Corey's older brother, you know Corey. Yeah, uh, I know So Corey. Corey's little brother uh, did a semester abroad in Portugal. Yeah, that's awesome. Right? Um, and while he was there, did a bunch of exploring, did a bunch of hiking, went a bunch of different places, and he found some really cool trails that like nobody else was using. And basically after college, he moved back to Portugal and became a day hiking guide. And he's got a little van and That's he just cool. takes people out, a little wine and cheese. Talk about a dream job. Day, right? But the thing is, is like if you don't go explore the world, you never know that that's a job. You never know that that could be your life. And if there's one thing that I wish American kids did more was realize that the world is a global place and there's more available to you than like the corporate life in America. Yeah. I'm not saying that the corporate life in America is a bad thing. I, I really appreciate what our capitalist you know, society and what all the things that we do for the world and, and you know all the great innovation and awesome products and services that come out of America is fantastic. Um, <laughs> but I just wish more people gave other things at least a shot uh, myself included, right? I mean, I love my career. I love my marketing job. I love what we do with clients and everything. I think that's fantastic, and I enjoy every day of it. But part of me sits there and looks back and goes like, but if I never started it, would I miss it? If I was, if I'd yeah. been doing something like a ski instructor or had I been something that's more like, hey, every day I get up, I go outside, and I cruise around doing stuff. Like I'm moving around doing You're things, but it, yeah. still using my brain and selling stuff and all that kind of stuff. Would that have been a better, I don't know. You know what I mean? So it's, these are the questions that you ask yourself. But I think if you give kids that perspective earlier, that like there's more out there available to you than you probably realize. Oh yeah, man. I think that, I think it's a shame if you at least once in your life don't get out of what's normal to you. Yeah. You know, escape what's normal. Back to your last thing, though. This is something I was going to say. You were talking about dream trips. Yeah. Would you do the mirror? I'll tell you what I would do. I wouldn't do either one of them. I actually wouldn't limit myself to one trail. I think my dream trip, and I've thought about this a lot, is you know some kind of an RV or a camper for like a two- or three-week period, and you hit about three or four destinations. You know, so you go, you know, down to... Or you go up to Colorado, then you go over to California, then you go down to the Southwest, then you come back up to Missouri. Like that in a two-week or three-week period, that speaks to me more than any other trip, for sure. Yeah, that's definitely... I know, I moved, I moved the mic. Damn it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's definitely the dream trip. You know, something like that. Two, three weeks, three, four destinations, lots of experience. Cool. Yeah. That's a great trip, you know. Then you really get everything out of it. You're not just limited to... It's always fun to go on one solo trip in one place, but how cool would it be to see three or four in a three-week period? Getting the time off and everything is kind of a pain. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at uh, you know two to three weeks to just leave and disconnect and oh, do that is tough to do. My boss would shoot me in the face. Right well, now. you know, I mean, it's something that you'd work up to and you'd have it planned a year in advance and know right. how you're doing it and all that kind of stuff. That's something that you'd have to work up to, especially in the corporate world. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, my God, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you know, even even doing this stuff with, with my girlfriend who works, you know, at a corporate but not like corporate corporate uh you know getting a week off to go 
just not be at work is is a, a big whole deal. Journey. And it's, it's tough for me. You know, I mean, even owning a company, I still have to work with my clients and make sure that those weeks aren't going to, you know, conflict with anything else. I was oh, going to be missing a trip off. that yeah. we were going to have to do for the for you know my one client. Um, so yeah, man, it's it's there's always trade offs, right? And it's that's what I admire so much about like Syntax and Jason from. Um, Outdoor Adventures, I guess he goes by Frozen, uh, is is the um, sheer volume of trips that those oh dudes God. do on they, a yearly basis is yeah. staggering. Um, they really, I mean, I would be willing to bet you that Syntax is probably doing 10 to 15 trips a year, which seems like an awful lot to be doing. I think it is, but here's what I also think. I think that the big thing is putting your backpack in your car and just going. I, I feel like yeah. the mentality of that guy, and I think some backpackers, I've been terrible about this, not being able to just be like, yeah, we're leaving this weekend, and just pack my shit and leave. And yeah. I've been terrible about that. And it, it to me, that right there goes back to Dirk's advice about the bike. It's like, dude, I could sit here and talk about how awesome it would be to go do 10 trips a year, but if I really want to do 10 trips a year, I have a backpack, I have a tent, I have boots. I have some of the basics. I'd have to pick up a few things, but it could be done over a weekend trip, and you could hit 10 places a year. Yeah. The real pain in the butt of it is, is, you know, you're not planning at that point. You're not planning for what's going to happen with the weather. You're just going. You know, yeah, and I mean, the, the weather in Missouri, although we joke about it being, you know, stick around if you don't like the weather because it'll change. <laughs> um, it's It's more predictable than need be, and it's not like... We're in the White Mountains in New Hampshire where they say, you know, if the weather gets bad, you might die. <laughs> like, granted, it could get really cold here. But for the most part of the year, you're only really dealing with rain. And rain is just, like, uncomfortable, right? It's not, shouldn't be a deal suck. breaker in most scenarios. I to think me, for, snow is the, the deal breaker for me. And I, I just don't like, um, uh, uh, or I shouldn't say I don't like, I'm down for snow. But I need more gear. The gear I don't, the gear I have right now would not survive good snow. Snow, snow is a bigger issue for tent camping than it is for hammocks, because right. hammocks, as long as you have like a stout enough tarp that can handle the snow, everything else is pretty much the same. I mean, right. obviously you have to have some like different attire and things like that, but like a lot of it is convenience and comfort stuff more than it is like. Can't else. do it without it, right? Like you can buy wool long underwear from um, Target. That's I think sixteen dollars for the top, or maybe twenty for the top and twenty for the bottom, and get through a freezing trip. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and be probably comfortable enough. Um, you know, is it going to be smart wool? No, of course not. It's not the same stuff. But could you be comfortable enough? Absolutely. Um, right. That's, you know, the guy that was on the last episode, Derek. Um, Derek's like one of my favorite people that I've met through camping. And uh, Derek's basically made like everything he owns. Um, <laughs> he made his quilts. He dude. made his hammock. He made his tarp. Wow. He made his backpack. Sewed his backpack. Made it. That's pretty made strong. Made the shoulder straps. Like the whole thing. And I was like, that had to be crazy. And he goes... What's more difficult than anything that you can think about is that everything's done in reverse because you're sewing it all on the inside. You have to turn it all inside out. Ugh. So every single step of the way, you have to think about 
what else do I have to do? How much do you appreciate your gear, though, if you made it by hand? Oh, hugely. And you can make it exactly what you want it to be if you're talented enough. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not good enough at sewing, but neither was he. You know, like, he learned himself. So it's what I think it comes down to, and this is kind of why I was talking about your job versus cycling and things like that. There's only so many hours in the day. And one of the things that Instagram and some of the social media sites out there kind of teach us to do is we have access to learn a lot of different hobbies and activities, right? And one of the things that I've always taken pride in is being better than average at a lot of shit. Uh, You know, I'm better than average at taking photos. Am I a super seasoned professional Susie Gorman that's, you know, photographing presidents? No, of course not. That's her main thing. Am I as good at backpacking as Suge or, you know, for God's sake, some of the super adventure like Columbia sponsored, you know, alpinist crazy people? No, of course not. But am I better than the average dude? Yeah. Not trying to toot my horn on a bunch of stuff here. But my point being is that I think for most people, there's only so many hours in the day. Right. And there's only so many hobbies that you can pursue with any kind of proficiency because there's only so much time, right? And so, like, we want to hang out with our friends. We want to go to the new restaurant in town. We want to read that book everybody keeps telling us to read. We want to go to the new, you know, Westport social place and play games. Like, there's so many things. And don't things. forget about fitting in time with your significant other, your kids, your 100%, parents. 100%, right? Your, yeah, all that stuff. Getting better at work. So, it, it's, it all comes down to priorities, right? And what are your priorities? And I think that for guys like Syntax and for guys like, you know, Jason... Their priority is camping and making camping videos. I don't know that it's my 100% top priority yet, but it certainly pulls at me a lot. Um, I just think I need to probably dive a little deeper into exactly what you said. Like, we still haven't gone to freaking Red River Gorge. (laughs) No. And it's like six hours away. And the only reason we haven't gone is because we just haven't thrown our shit in the back of the Jeep and left. That's literally... The only reason we haven't gone, we could have gone. That's what I want. I mean, that's what I, that's a personal thing on me where I, and I've backed out of trips with you several times mm-hmm. last year. Cause I was like, Oh, I got this. I got this. And there's certain ones that I definitely should have went to. There's other ones where I could have been like, ah, I should just go on a trip. Forget this, you know? So, you know, I feel like each year I try to budget a little bit of my time or try to budget my time a little bit better. I'm getting better at it. Hopefully this year, you know, 2018, 2019, I hope I can spend a little bit more time being, I don't want to say a little more careless, but basically being like a little more like uh, spontaneous. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. I want to be more spontaneous. Like I call you on a Monday and say, let's go to River River Gorge. You're like, hey man, I got nothing going on this weekend. Great. We throw our stuff in the back and we go. If it snows, it snows. <laughs> Well, and the challenge that we've run into in the past has been dogs, right? Like, I have two dogs. One of them is, yeah. like, a special needs dog uh, <laughs> that, you know, has issues. Um, you know, and then the other one, obviously. I babied Yosie a little bit too much in the temperature thing. I think she can actually handle colder temperatures than I probably originally gave her credit for. I don't think I need to be taking her out in, like, the 20s or anything like that. But definitely down into, like, the 30s and 40s, I think she'd be fine. Um, she has a coat now that's pretty good. So She's got a coat. Yeah, Sarah ordered Hank a coat that was too big or too small for Hank, and it's probably a little bit too big for Yosie, but I think it would work. 
Um, the Thought question more is, gear than is, I do. is the pack and all that. Yeah, of course, of course she does. I'm AJ. That's what I do. <laughs> um, it is kind of nice, though, finally hitting this point where I feel like I have the stuff that I've been needing. Not needing. I don't need any of the stuff that I have. I'm finally to the point where I kind of have so much stuff that it's kind of like, all right, start using it. You have everything. <laughs> Literally. Or be done and sell it and move on to something else, right? Like, I, there's nothing that I need from a camping perspective. Uh, it would be great to have a Cuban fiber tarp. That's kind of like the one thing that's still eluding me. Um, and maybe like a slightly better um, hammock. I might need to, you know, like do something different. But like, for the most part, I'm done, right? Like, I have everything I need. You've got just to about go everything on you every need. trip. Uh, all that stuff. Now the the question becomes I you know I worked so hard to be prepared to go on trips. Now that I'm prepared, am I going to go on the trips now that it's easy? Yeah, man. I think so. I think it's time to, you know, pack it all up, throw it in and just go, you know. Yeah. It, it, exactly and you know i think a lot of it was the end of the year, the holidays, all that kind of stuff. Oh, that I gave myself that excuse. Um, but now it's going to be fun. You know, I think the weather's going to start to hopefully break a tiny bit. It looks like the weather's going to break. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Anything else? How do people find you? What are your social channels that you want to so, promote? So JDG0429 is my Instagram. I need to change that handle cause it's absolutely boring and horrible. Um, but I got to figure Google out. was dumb before it became Google. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, and then I've, I'm also working on a website, but I'm just doing a very slow job of getting it finished. Hopefully, uh, adventurous.com will be something that I can use in the future. I, I've been, that's something I was terrible about in late 17 was building it and then completely stopped building it. Like, I just was gung-ho and just and died. And ad adventurous spelled how? Uh, A-D-V-E-N-T-U-R-U-S. Gotcha. Why, you ask? Because the other one is gone. Somebody else has <laughs> Somebody it. Somebody else okay. has it. So, um... Well, I think what we need to do is probably commit to doing, what are your thoughts on, could it be possible to do a three-day, two-night Red River Gorge, Red River Gorge, Gorge, Red River Gorge, Red River Gorge trip in the month of March? Let's do it. Is that possible? Can yeah. you get a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I think Sunday we can, deal? Can I think you we can do that, that. Like, could you leave Thursday night after work? Be gone Friday, Saturday, Sunday. o'clock. Be gone Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Yeah. Okay. We will do that in March then. All right. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming. Had fun. Hey, man, this was great. Let's that's, do it again. That's the episode.